0: Welcome back to another episode of the CSK8 podcast. My name is Jared O'Leary. Each week of this podcast is either an interview with a guest or multiple guests talking about computer science education or a solo episode where I unpack some scholarship. In this week's particular episode, I'm unpacking a paper titled, Computing Educational Activities Involving People Rather Than Things Appeal to More Women, Recruitment Perspective. And this paper was written by Ingrid Maria Christensen, Melissa Ho Marcher, Pal Grabarschek. Therese, Therese Graverson, and Klaus Brabrand. Apologies if I mispronounce any names. All right, so here's the abstract for this particular paper. Quote, there is a strong need for a more equal gender balance within the computing field. In 1998, Richard A. Lippa uncovered a relationship between gender and preference within the people things spectrum, with women preferring people-oriented activities to a higher degree than men. The aim of this paper is twofold. First of all, we wish to determine if a similar relation can be established in the particular context of computing educational activities. Second of all, we wish to see if Lippa's findings can be extrapolated to contemporary high school students. To do that, we designed and conducted an experiment involving around 500 Danish high school students who have been asked to choose between a people-themed version versus an isomorphic things-themed version of four activity representative for computing education. The results show that the odds of a woman preferring a task involving people is 2.7 times higher than those of a man. The odds of a student without prior programming experience preferring a task involving people is 1.4 times higher than those of students with programming experience. If we compare women without programming experiences to men with programming experience, the effect is even more pronounced. Indeed, the combined effect is 3.8, 2.7 times 1.4. Our study implies a recommendation for computing educators to, whenever possible, favor educational activities involving people over things. This makes educational activities appeal more to female students and to students without programming experience, while not making a difference for male students or students with programming experience. Since the experiment measured only the appeal of tasks, the users were not expected to perform them, the results we obtained can be useful for recruitment processes where the overall image and appeal of material make a difference." End quote. All right, so that abstract is actually a very excellent summary of not only the study itself, but the findings from it and some of the recommendations. But if I were to summarize this into a single sentence, I'd say that this study investigated the preferences of high school males and females for computing educational activities with people or things. Now, this particular paper was presented at the 2021 ICER conference. You can find a direct link to that in the show notes, as well as a link to some of the Google Scholar profiles of the authors, so you can read some more papers by them. And the show notes, by the way, can be found at JaredOleary.com, where there's hundreds if not thousands of free resources for computer science educators, including a link to bootuppd.org, which is the nonprofit that I create curriculum for. By the way, that curriculum is 100% free as well. All right, so the paper begins with an introduction and is talking about information and computing technology, in particular in the EU. They said that about 17.9% of people of were women in 2019 and in the United States is about 25%. So they mentioned that in the ICT and computing fields there is a need for better recruitment opportunities for women. So what they ended up doing for this particular study is they looked at Richard Lippa's prior work on women preferring people versus things. So in other words, like if you're going to work on a project or a problem, maybe a story about a person and they're trying to solve a particular problem, as opposed to just solving a problem about like robots or cars or something. So on page 128, they kind of summarize some of Lippa's findings and some different studies. And then they mention also on the same page that this particular paper is guided by three particular research questions. And they are, quote, to what extent does the gender of high school students impact preferences for people versus things in computing educational activities? To what extent does prior programming experience impact preferences? To what extent do preferences vary between tasks? End quote. So what the authors ended up doing is they created like four different hypothetical tasks. So they were supposed to represent a project, an article, a presentation, and some kind of an exercise. They gave these tasks to the different high school students and each task basically had two different versions. One was a people-themed version and then another version was a things-themed version. Now, what they did is they basically matched the two so that if there was an image of a person on the people theme version, then there would be like an image of a robot or like a picture of nuts and bolts or something if it had to do with the particular project. They also matched the pronouns and the verbiage within the two examples as well. So if there's a person mentioned in the left-hand side, then maybe on the right-hand side they would have an object mentioned instead. Otherwise, the rest of the sentence structure and syntax and whatnot was the same. So in this particular study, it was high school students from Danish high schools in the Copenhagen area. Now in this paper, they do have a good explanation of the design and the analysis and whatnot, and I'm gonna skip that. So going into the results on page 132, they do mention that they had 488 respondents. And of that, roughly 63% were women and 37% were men, which actually aligns with the national gender distribution of high schools in 2019, where 61% are women and 39% are men, which is really interesting. Not being familiar with the reasons for that, I'm curious why is it that Denmark has such a high percentage of women in high school and not men? Now the authors do note that no participants entered non-binary as their gender. So this was only people who identified as male and female in this particular study. All right, so here's a quote of the results from page 132. Quote, we see that more than half of the women, 52%, strongly prefer the people version, whereas this was only the case for about a fourth of the men, 27%. On the things end of the spectrum, we see that almost none of the women, only 4%, strongly prefer the things version, whereas this was the case for about a sixth of the men, 16%. In general, we see a tendency for the women to gravitate towards the people end of the spectrum, left side, compared to the men, whose response appear to fall more uniformly on the preference scale, end quote. So this particular finding is interesting. So this actually goes against one of the recommendations from a study that I previously discussed, and I'll talk about this more in the lingering questions and thoughts. So, under the programming experience for this particular study, there is an interesting note on page 134 that said that, quote, almost three-quarters of the women report no prior programming experience, whereas this was only the case for about half of the men. End quote. In particular, on page 135, they mentioned that people who don't have programming experience, which in this case most of the women do not have programming experience, they prefer people within the different tasks rather than things and in particular it's 1.4 times likely to prefer people over things than people who have experience. Now as mentioned in the abstract however women are 2.7 times more likely to prefer people over things compared to men in this particular study. Now if you look at the combination of those two, so specifically women without prior programming experience, they are 3.8 times more likely to prefer people over things. However, because there were four different tasks involved with this particular study, they do note that these preferences depend on the actual tasks at hand. So what would be interesting is to do some follow-up to look at each specific type of task and do some more studies on different comparisons of those to try and figure out, well, why is it that some people prefer people on this particular task but not necessarily on this other particular task? All right, so here's a quote from page 136. Quote, in all four tasks, the median woman, whether experienced or not, exhibits a preference, highest probability, for the people version. The males, in comparison, exhibits a less consistent preference. The median man, experienced or not, leans towards the people version for task 1, but towards the things version in task 2 and 4. For task 3, the inexperienced median man prefers the people version, albeit less pronounced than all of the women, whereas experienced men express a slight preference for things, end quote. Alright, so on page 137 and 138, they provide some discussion on some of the internal and external threats to validity, which, to be honest, is probably one of the better discussions I've seen on any of the papers I've read so far on this podcast and just in general and research, so I really appreciate their discussion on this and the thought that went behind trying to control for potential biases. And then finally, we get to the conclusion on page 139, and there's one quote that I wanna read in particular, and that is, quote, a strong preference for things-oriented tasks was visible only in the case of experienced men, end quote. Okay, so that kind of gets into some of the lingering questions and thoughts that I have for this particular article. So I previously did an unpacking scholarship paper that talked about eliminating gender bias in computer science education materials. So in that particular study, the authors mention that there is bias in names being used and pronouns in imagery. For example, using imagery that sexualizes women in some of the computer science materials that are often used in like undergraduate CS courses. And so they problematize this and provide some recommendations for trying to get rid of some of that bias that is in BCS materials and in particular in relation to gender. So one of the things that they recommend is to use animal names instead of a person's name. They also recommend using pictures of monuments and other things like that instead of people because the pictures of people might have problematic associations, like the sexualization that I mentioned. And then they also recommend using the singular they pronoun instead of he or she pronouns. So a question that I have is, if the authors from this paper that I just read for you were to engage in a discussion with the authors from that other Unpacking Scholarship episode I did on eliminating gender bias in computer science education materials, what would the author say? In particular, I'm interested in, okay, so instead of using a person, How would this study have compared between people and animals, as the other authors mentioned, instead of people and things? But also, what kind of imagery might we recommend? So the other authors mentioned doing monuments instead of people, so like a pyramid instead of a person reading a book. But how would those compare? When I attended ICER, I really enjoyed this particular paper because one, it was just really well done, but also two, because it kind of contradicts some of the recommendations from that previous episode that I did. Now, if you aren't steeped in educational research, you can find many arguments around the same topic that will argue completely opposite things. So I'm providing this particular episode to basically say like, hey, while that other paper had some recommendations that might be good, this paper has a recommendation that might change that or might be different. But because it's different demographics of people, like different locations, different ages, things like that, we can't really generalize and say, well, this one is more valid than another or this one's more generalizable than another. But instead, what we can do is just engage in a conversation as a field to go, hey, we need to talk about this more. Let's do more research. Let's have more conversations. And let's try and figure out how we can actually try and eliminate gender bias from a multi-perspectivalist approach. In other words, from many different angles. By the way, if you haven't listened to that unpacking scholarship that I previously he did. I include a link to it in the show notes under the resources, which speaking of, I don't really have any more lingering questions or thoughts for this particular article because I've already kind of talked about the similar topic previously. So check out that episode for some more questions. For example, my discussion on, well, how might non-binary individuals have responded to this particular study, which by the way, you can find a link to this in the show notes in the app that you're listening to this on or by going to jaredoleary.com, where there are hundreds, if not thousands of free resources for you to use for computer science education. Anyways, I know this was a shorter episode but I hope you got something out of it and I hope you are considering the different ways that gender is represented or discussed not only in the materials that you use in your classroom but also in how you talk about computer science with students that you work with. Thank you so much for listening to this particular episode. Stay tuned next week for another episode and until then I hope you're all staying safe and are having a wonderful week.